This is Anthony Shake Shakir from Detroit. This is Anthony Shake Shakir. Take it again. This is Anthony Shake Shakir on the Decisive Podcast Series Special. Decisive Podcast Series Special. Decisive Podcast Series Special with Roberto Q. Emerald. The Stone Gang, as, as Don Coney used to say, right? <laughs> now, 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 greetings, everybody. It's April 12th, 2019. I am excited, so excited, and I just can't hide it. I gonna lose control because I think I like it. Yeah, today in the building on my program, Decisive Podcast Series Special, Anthony Shake Shakur from Detroit Frictional. This cat has been around the globe. This guy's releases has been played by some of the biggest uh, subgenre DJs or even some of the biggest DJs since 1994 to 2009. As we speak, Rush Hour has released a compilation, Frictionalism, <laughs> featuring all his tunes. And uh, we will talk about him, his music. We will find out what makes him tick. But before we get to all that good stuff, just a reminder, be sure to go to the SoundCloud page for all the archived versions of the podcast series. Uh, there you can listen to the music in its entirety without any interruptions at all. And don't forget to go to our Podomatic page and let us know what you think. Give us a like, follow us, join the crew, join the group, go to the decisive Facebook page. Don't forget we are now on Instagram. Please go there and, you know, stay connected. You know, let's stay connected. We have a lot to get to, so I'm not going to speak too much, but I have to remind you about every third Friday of the month. That's right. Decisive radio show. Next date is April the 19th from 8 till 11 with the crew, myself, Jack Master Rob and George Walden on the microphone. We have our guests, young local heroes. First off, George Bliker from We Play Events and also Sue Jet label artist and then we also have mr marco vox from iww music and the famous rfr label artist we're looking forward to having these cats uh we will have a lot of great music that day and lots of fun so make sure you tune in don't forget this weekend that's right the closing of mma the one of the most extraordinary underground clubs has now come to an end it's unfortunate to see them go, but they're planning a very great weekend full of techno and what they're known of, of course, underground. So make sure you get your tickets and get there early. I'm going to get mine. It will be a great weekend full of great fun. So make sure you go check that out. Don't forget Blitz. Also, you know what to do. Everyone knows Blitz. So go to their website, follow what they're doing. It's going to be hot. Good weekend. Big ups to my friends at Raving FM. Big ups to my boys at One Mind Media and Silver Stage. Big up to my girl Kim Rinalta. Big shout out going to my man Junior at Jam FM Radio in Switzerland. It was a great weekend with you, buddy. Look forward to coming back. Big huge shout out to DJ Ice Cap ripping it on the weekend. With that said, let's get on with it. I'm excited about this one. My guest in the house, telling us like it is, Mr. Anthony Shake Shakur. 
respect. Yeah, yeah. All right, then, Berto. I'm, I'm ready there. Okay, my friend. All right. Anthony Shakes here, man. Hello, how goes it? <laughs> Welcome and thank you for being here to talk to me today on the Decisive Podcast okay, Series. Well, I'll say what I say to everybody. Thanks for having me. Well, you, this is more personal and more, uh, how should I say, um, exciting <laughs> for me to have you back because I haven't heard from you in such a while. How long has it been? Yeah. I couldn't tell you that, maybe a year, maybe half a year, I don't know. I would say, yeah, probably probably almost a year because I think um, you've been going through some uh, technical changes with your studio. <laughs> yeah, man. You know, Trying to get back on track. Uh, so to speak, you know. So to speak. These machines, you know, they, they only work when you can afford to keep them up, upgraded, you know. Mm-hmm. And I sometimes I can't afford to keep them upgraded. Until I can, I can't. That's how I look at it. Now, I am really interested in knowing uh, some things about you and Claude back in 1994, I would say. Now, we're going to go back a little bit only because I want to get to my main punchline subject and that is the frictional releases from 1994 to 2009 but before we get there I just want everyone to get a chance to that don't know who you are to get a chance to know who you are so uh, I will start by saying where were you born and raised I was born in Detroit Michigan in 1966 whoa uh huh I'm, I'm about see okay I guess you're six years younger than me <laughs> I don't know. I didn't know you. I didn't know you that close. <laughs> you have been a very Beatles and stuff. I didn't know that. Man. Uh, you have been a very integral part of many other, um, shall I say, uh, Detroit enthusiasts um, over the years, uh, such as um, Kevin Kennedy and more. Uh, you've collaborated and done a lot of work with Claude Young, Jay Denham, and many others. Um, how did you get started making music and why? Uh, grew up listening to radio as a child all my life. Radio, when radio was, was good and great. And being in Detroit, you had black radio because... Um, I would talk to my mother about radio and my father about radio. I'm like, it came from, well, my mother was born in Detroit, but my father was born in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. And uh, they talked about how, you know, it's like black music wasn't like, well, black music might be on, on a certain time during the week, or like on like the midnight, the radio would go off or whatever, or they'll switch to a, something, a different program altogether. Mm. So, then time by time I was born and everything radio was, was starting to change or whatever and like but Detroit always had black radio always and as far as like my mother would tell me always black radio always existed in Detroit and from from her time growing up but it's like used to go off used to go off at, at like go off at night when she was when she was younger Mm. But it's like by the time I was by the time I was born and grown growing, 
radio stayed on. It stayed on all day, all night. Oh, by the time, by the time you understood what was going on, it was on day and night. So and it, it, it changed. I, I would say radio started changing in the late '60s. It started to change in the late '60s. Uh-huh. And I, I was born at the right time, I guess. So and that's. I listen to radio all the time because I like music. Cause my father used to buy records and stuff. And my mother, she actually grew up, I would say, a couple miles away from the Motown studio, Motown Museum, but she couldn't sing. She couldn't sing, she can't, she couldn't sing but, but but at that time, at that time, she was growing up, Motown was, was booming. And then, it was also worldwide, but music wasn't wasn't as expansive as it as it is now. It's like um, and like back then, it's like you had black music, you had white music, you had pop music, you had soul music. But it was like black soul music was like limited to the black markets or whatever. It didn't cross up. It started to cross over a little bit in the in the late fifties, early sixties after the rock and roll explosion. When you say black music at this time, yeah. can you describe any different styles? Maybe jazz, soul. Well, jazz was jazz was um, and I, I'm glad you said that because jazz was around, but it's like um, I know my mother didn't like it, my father did, but my mother didn't like it. But um, so what? Like, um, so what was your mom into then? Motown. Motown, okay. Motown, okay. Motown, or oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, had to be uh, uh, had to be a pop song with Manly Motown, Manly Motown, and um, it's like from that point, my father liked a little bit of everything, but uh, but he did like jazz, like like the jazz era stuff or whatever, like, and that's just that's what they would listen to. Were, they, were, were there any uh, artists that you were you, were there any artists that you can think of back way back then that that kind of resonates to you t- today? Uh, um, like I know, I have two brothers. Um, I had three brothers actually, and um, my brother, my brother, my brother right after me, his name is Amit, and my brother after him is named Jamal. And there's a famous jazz pianist named Amit Jamal. Uh, <laughs> I know my father might have chose their name for that. Besides okay. the besides the Nation of Islam connection and everything, but um. A, I do have my brother's name, Ivan Jamal, and my other brother's name is Haji. So it's like his name is <laughs> Haji, or no, but or 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 Howard, Howard, Howard Jr. Howard Jr. But um, that that's just the gist of that. But um, mm-hmm. so but but father, my father, um, <laughs> trying to remember what my, my mother would not. <coughs> father wanted to name me something but my mother would not let him name me, not let him name me what he wanted to name me. Mm-hmm. can you remember the name I'm trying to remember okay, what okay. it is okay. it'll come to me when okay. I'm alright alright anytime like, anytime but, but then see but some, somebody next to him in the hospital will name their son Abney that's how I got the name Abney so you know, that's that's what she said man. I guess she she hadn't thought about it till, like she heard somebody say that and okay I call him Abney so I got stuck with that <laughs> Okay, as you were saying, as you were talking about, your, so your father, so it was more jazz for your father, and, and yeah, yeah, a little jazz, a little, like, you know, little stuff, little things here and there, like, but it's mostly jazz at that time. So, and that was most of the influence on the radio for you, those. Yeah. In- a little bit, but yeah, he listened to a little, a little, everything, but mostly jazz at that time. 
But that was when jazz was king, so well, especially in the community, it was king. The music, the music of the community. So. Could you could you say that your father and mother's music that you, she was listening to on these radio stations influenced you at all? Or did you kind of gravitate well, to your own? I would say ear? I would listen to my well, my father used to buy records all the time. I listened to what he would buy, and some of the stuff I would hear on the radio. But he bought a lot of he used to buy a lot of records and stuff, whatever. Like oh. I'm just thinking about. It. I think about one album he bought was Charles Erlen's album "Leaving This Planet." I remember him buying that album. That um, what else did he buy? Um, oh yeah, of course he bought um, the, 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 the soundtrack to the Shaft album when it came out. And, oh yeah, Shaft. Yeah, the biggest was the biggest one. He bought Myron Gaye's "What's Going On" album when it came out. And as a matter of fact, my father used to work for the phone company. You know, fixing Myron Gaye's phone or whatever. And um, he said he was a cool guy, you know. But I remember, like, I was I was always a Marvin Gaye fan, you know. And my father was also a Marvin Gaye fan. We we always listen to Marvin Gaye music in in, in his house. Uh-huh. So little things like that. And I, and, and I not like Marvin Gaye, so how can you not? <laughs> Where did your father do his shopping? Can you remember? It? Was it online record store? They're in the stores in the area. Or how old were you? As a matter of fact, how old were you then? Um, when 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 what's going on came out? That came out in 1971. I was five years old. Okay. And you realized that at this time, Marvin Gaye was like a one of your kings, huh? Yeah, I liked it. I liked wow. it the minute I heard it. This is one of the records that's in, that's on permanent constant rotation in my head that record mm-hmm. that record never played out it still it still play, it has never played out matter of fact I sampled I sampled one thing he did for some of the stuff that I did for my um, for my stuff that I put up I, I did yeah 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 <laughs> I sampled his voice I sampled his voice mm-hmm. and played it mm-hmm. and uh after collecting or after actually listening to these uh, the music would you say that this is uh, and you were only five at this time so we have to gravitate a little bit further on how this influenced you into your your own musical taste and um, well I was listening to whatever Ray was playing and seeing what was on TV you know that would be American Bandstand or Soul Train Oh, there we go. Like listening to some of the stuff. Not all that stuff that was all around or whatever. It was a little mostly, mostly, mostly on the black end, definitely. But um, I was a little more biased towards that. But um, oh yeah, I like Colin Gang a lot too at that time. Cause they were a great band. And um and anyway, moving 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 forward from there or whatever, like my father was buying records here and there or whatever, but then it's like I remember by the time I got to um I was a junior high school. I had a reputation in the neighborhood that I was, everybody knew I was always played records or would always talk about records. I was never like sports. I never liked sports. I still don't like sports, but I, I, I always played records. And um, so everybody would always talk to me or ask me about certain records or whatever, and I would tell them what I liked or whatever. And just, just being be about music and stuff, talking about the record, not so much music, records. By this time, I was, by this time, I was in, um, by the time I got to high school, I was trying to figure out, 
I was listening to stuff or whatever, then that's when they started to play mixes on the radio in Detroit. This was like 79, 80. And I was like, when I heard that, when I started hearing that, I said, I got to figure out how they do this. I want to figure out how to play records like this. Mm. It just so happened, my father had did buy, he had bought a nice stereo system and he bought two turntables, but not a mixer. Well, he had two turntables. Two turntables, that, okay. Yeah. And, and the thing is, they had pitch, they had pitch knobs on them too. But I didn't know, I didn't, I didn't try to figure out anything from it. But he did have it, and um, and um, so it's like this, like he can buy records. So I just listen to records all the time here and there, whatever, just whatever. Then radio started playing mixes and stuff. And this was a DJ name at that time, Barry Michaelson Grant. And, um, I, was, I was I was looking listening for that. I, I just knew it was, uh, electrifying Mojo was coming out of your yeah, mouth. <laughs> no, Mojo, Mojo also. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that. But Mojo was he was he was, he was he did Mojo had come to Detroit. I think it was '77 or '78 when they brought him when he came to Detroit. And that was on WGPR. And like at that time, but like it was an instant. It was an instant hit. When he came, when he got on radio, when he started being on radio or whatever, and um, and like that's when I, of course, gravitated towards his show or whatever. And like, but I'm I'm sorry to interrupt you from your from the from your first uh, encounter with the this DJ. What was his name again? Before uh, my, uh, no no um, Electrifying Mojo, Barry Michaelton Grant. Barry Michaelton Grant. Sorry, Barry we Grant, we walked right over on, him. Okay, he was, I can't remember what station. He, I think he was on ninety eight, but I'm okay. not sure. Or I think with no J O B this because I think this was just when they had switched from AM to FM. Okay. And um and like well like, that was the DJ's name, but I can't remember none of his mixes, but I remember his name. And um and it's like it's like it was like it wasn't it I think the the mixed culture had 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 a following in the city, but I knew nothing about it. Okay. I didn't mean, anything about that at the time. I just remember hearing these little mixes and stuff on radio. And um, from that point, Mojo was on the radio, and like I was gravitating toward the music he was playing. He was playing a lot of experimental, a lot of funky stuff, a lot of electric stuff. And um, I was gra- gra- gravitating to- towards that sound or that style of, of things or whatever. And then by this point, this was, I would say, about 80s, early 80s, Jeff Mills came on the radio. And when he got on the radio, I was intrigued with that. And this was when he was playing more hip hop stuff. And like, he had this uh, very, very fr- fr- frenetic style that I like them. I like the records he played or whatever. But um, I just, I just trying to figure out how to be a part of these things or whatever. Just listen to it and join. Just not knowing that I, I would become a part of, it, but I liked it. And when Jeff was on the radio, like he played more hip hop at this time. I was liking that stuff too. Okay. I I gravitated. I liked hip hop at that time. I liked it more at that time because it was a new thing or whatever. Because I was I was getting tired of. Um, what was the mainstream R&B at that point? And this is the early '80s. At, at that point, I just didn't like a lot of the mainstream R&B stuff that was coming out at that time. But then Jeff was on the radio playing hip hop stuff with him. Can, and you, then, um, can you name a couple of artists that you that you heard from Jeff? What was he playing at this time? I 
came. He played like he played some records that's like they was they was kind of like cut. They consider them cut up style. Okay. Break records, but they want break. They just kind of like they like they I remember, like. I remember like such a put up, up, up. mega mixes, like, mega mix kind of things. Kind of kind of like mega mix, but yeah, it's yeah. kind of like a, like a radio show. Like he would have little 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 scenes from like. Like it was one that went, he's the wizard, the magnificent wizard. Right, little right, things right, like, right. like, 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 like a cartoon, like he would put together, like cut okay. them together, like okay. a, like, like a show or whatever, which is okay. very different and unique. And, um, and that was, I like that. That was interesting to me. But then, um, but then, um, then, um, Derek, Derek Man, Ryan Atkins got on the radio at this time. And I think they came on, the, on I think they were on 98 first. They came on 98 first at Texas. They used to have, um, they brought them on the show. Like, I think they brought them on the show to compete to compete against Mojo's show that was on GPR at that time. And like, they would start doing, playing name mixes or whatever. And Derek always had an interesting mix show because it was very fast and very quick, quick cuts. Okay. Very quick cuts and whatever. And it was like, and I was in, I was, you know, it sounds corny, but I was very intrigued by that. I was like, I got to figure this out. What's going on here? I got to figure out how to do this and apply that to what I'm trying to do. Mm-hmm. Started trying to do that in this way, not, not trying to emulate their style, but I did try to play some of the records they were playing, and um, and then I was doing this stuff. And this by this time, this is when I got to this 19. I graduated high school in 1984. Now I went to Western Michigan University. And this is where Jay Dillon comes in the picture. <laughs> what was your major at the university? Uh, communication and boredom and, and um, lack of confidence. I'll say that. <laughs> lack of confidence. <laughs> I, lack of confidence. I, I have confidence. Boredom and lack of confidence. I never heard of that. I've never heard of that major before. Yeah, I made that one. I made it in that one. Big one. I made it in that one. Okay, Jay Dillon came in the picture. Now Jay Denham came and picked. I think I think it was about eighty, not so much eighty four, but eighty five. But Jay Denham and it was Jay Denham and Tony Jackson. Cause Tony Jackson was spinning was spinning. He was spinning parties in the city at that time. And I wanted to, I wanted to figure out wow wow I, he had some twelves too at that time. Now trying to figure out okay wow that's cool man like I got to know Tony Jackson and um. And um, I got to know Tony Jackson also, but um, when I got the Western, I remember they used to have um, those, I can't remember the name of the buildings, they would do that, they would have the big kind of gathering with everybody, like when they, all the all new students coming to school, they would have the gathering and then they would have a DJ up there or whatever, uh, on, on, the main, on the main thing, I can't remember the name of the building, it's the, the building, I can't remember the name of it, it's when you come into that, that hill, in the, in, the, in the center of the, of the campus. Mm-hmm. I had a DJ up there and I remember asking him, I mean like, I asked him if I could play. Like, like, and like I, didn't ha- I didn't have any real experience with it because I, 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 didn't, I didn't play in college, I mean in high school, I didn't play in high school, but a couple of my classmates did. Their names were um, Arnold Nevels and Howard Fanning and they had tables. Howard had turntables and they could spin better than I could. They could could cut better than I could. I couldn't cut. I tried to, but I. But they were better than DJs. But then when I got Western, they had that, that gathering. I don't know what they called it. It wasn't homecoming. It was like the the first day of camp, the first day of school, or whatever. The, when they all the kids, when I, all the students get together, and like 
learn the campus or whatever. And they had a DJ on the on the thing or whatever. And I remember going up and watching him play, and I was asking him if I could play, and he let me play, and I played or whatever. And it's like I seen them win over some people. They they, okay. they liked what I was doing. I, as a matter of fact, I don't have it anymore. But I was they took a picture of me for the for the school paper, and um and I I lost my copy, and I, I can't remember. I gotta see if I can get a copy of it again, cause it's like I was in that paper. They took a picture of me playing records. I remember the, I had a red sweatshirt on too. I remember the picture. I remember the picture now, you know. But then it's like I didn't try to do parties at this time or whatever. But Tony Jackson was doing parties here and there in, in the city or whatever at that time. And um, so but then it's like I did. I end up working at um, Chrysler, Chrysler that next summer. Okay. And I worked, ended up working after that next summer, and I took that money to buy a pair of twelve. So I did buy a pair of twelve. Then I started doing doing parties up at Preston. I started doing the, the frat parties and some of the sorority parties, the Omega Sci-Fi and the Deltas. I used to do their parties and stuff. And like, I didn't have, I didn't. When I think back on it, I'm like, I didn't have the confidence. I didn't have the confidence. Or the the belief that I could do do it like how Puffy did it when he went to college. Mm. Became, oh uh, yeah, okay, yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't think about it like that. I just I was just all I was looking at. I was looking at. I always play records. I just wanted to keep playing records. And like um, so that's what I ended up doing, doing those parties, doing those frat parties there when I was there. And I enjoyed myself. And I I was I remember they did have a mix contest. They did have a mix contest, and um, I remember. I remember, I remember playing and being competing in it, and I ended up winning it. I ended up winning it, and um, you end up winning it. You said I did win it. I didn't, didn't win the okay. contest. Okay. I had because at that time it was a DJ. It was a Gerald Watson and Bruce Bailey. I forgot the other guys. There might have been some other guys that was there, but we all competed. But I ended up winning because I'm like my trick at that time was like they were always this. They was just, the house was, was starting to was starting to blow up. Oh no. Like, 80, 80, 84, 85, 86, 87. House was starting to blow up or whatever. And those guys were always trying to show how house they were. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> how you doing? I said, I waited, but she can't see me. It's okay. No. Um, but anyway, the house was starting to blow up. And like, all those guys were trying to prove how house they were, how deep, not, they, they, they didn't say deep then, but they was trying to show how how house they were back then or whatever. And like they would they would always they would always uh, they always come up with all they all I mean everybody had the great house records or whatever because they used to go to Chicago and buy records. I didn't do that until 80s, 87. But they used to go to Chicago and get the new the new house records that was getting made at that time or whatever. And like but like they would play all their house records and like they be they be sweet. But then I'll get on, I'll play house records too, or whatever. But then I come in, I, I won because I play flashback and get the crowd every time. So it's like, that's how I ended up winning. I ended up winning that year. So okay. that was the win. That was, that was, that was Jay, Jay came in at that point. Was that very gratifying for you? How 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 excited were you when you were? When you I, I, I'm like, since I had no confidence and I, since I was trying to duck, duck myself, um, I was glad to win it, but it's like um, I looked at it like I just looked at it like I didn't look at it like I got I got to do whatever I got to do to win or whatever like like uh, like the best scratcher or whatever because I think I tried a little scratching at that time, 
My thing was like, my thing was like, they was like playing all the house, house, house stuff or whatever. And people liked it. They liked it, but they liked other stuff too. But I, like I said, like, they'd come with the house records or whatever. And I play, I would too, but then I would play Flashlight and I'd get the crowd. And I, won, I ended up winning because I played it. record everybody knew because Flashlight <laughs> was, and it's, was, and it's still the jam. So, like, you, so you won from your selecting point of view. I, I guess I won because I just played a record. Everybody, nobody... <laughs> The other guys didn't play. They was, they was trying to show they they was great DJs, which they are, and right. were. And like in the end, I look at it like nah, because Bruce Bailey is the man doing doing throwing parties and stuff, doing his, doing doing it big here in Detroit, and he's doing it big here now. Like he's throwing parties and stuff and doing his thing. And and Gerald, I think is Gerald Watson's a promoter, doing, doing good promotions, or whatever. And I'm not on that level because I never wanted to throw a party. I never wanted to throw parties because I, I didn't back then. I didn't think if I threw a party, I didn't think nobody would come. Right. No come. But it's like I know now that's that's not the right way to look at things. But at the same time, I never wanted to throw parties. I still don't want to throw a party. I'd rather play your party and go home. And, <laughs> and uh, was was Jay Denham an influence on you at all? What? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was a big influence on me because, like, I remember one time, I remember one time, it's one of the parties they had at Western, and it was like, one of the parties they had at Denver Play. He was always at, he used to always ask me to play, and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna let you play, I'm gonna let you play, so you play and whatever. So, but, um, like, um, I was playing my, playing my set, and wasn't playing the records or whatever, and like, I was like, Jay was like, and like, it's like, it's like when Mr. Fingers' Can You Feel It came out. Right. Jay had the record. I didn't have that record, but like, he's like, Let me play that. I was like, I don't. I think it's too slow. I don't think it's gonna work. I don't think it's gonna work. I mean, play it, play it, play it, play it. I don't think it's gonna work. I think it's too slow. And like, um, like so then like, I, I was I was too scared to play it because I thought it was too slow. And um, Jay came on. He put on. Can you feel the crowd went crazy? And I was like, okay, I won't doubt Jay again no more on that one. So I was like, and like, but Jay, Jay, like, yeah, Jay, um. Jay, Jay was yeah he was a big influence on me like cause he 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 played he played he played hot stuff so bottom line my thing I at that time I at that time I didn't think I didn't think I I thought you had to play in a certain way but Jay show you can just play the hot stuff and it'll work. Wow, uh, let's talk a little bit about how you got into producing and and why Frictional was born. Um. And were there any other influences that you could say, uh, production-wise, before starting the label? Nah, I can say it's like I used to, I used to want to try to do I used to want to do rap stuff because I used to like rap stuff, like rap beats because they was all records I grew up listening to. I liked them, I had them. I thought I could do that, do rap music from that standpoint. Then also, um. It's like um, my thing was being around uh, what I call the techno triumvirate, Wine, Derek, and Kevin. I'm like, I wanted to figure out how to make records and work on that, like make records on that level, you know. And I was able to do make do records on that level, on on a certain level, right. on a certain level, but on on a certain level. But it's like they they had they knew what they were trying to do and how they were gonna do it. I I didn't know how I could do it on that level. I just wanted to, I just wanted to be a part of it, you know, and that's what I did. And when and when did you what when was that that you got a part of this uh, coalition? I say 86, 1986. 1986, 1987. Mm-hmm. And but then I also um, 
they they went on to do that techno compilation on Virgin. And like, um, I didn't believe I was gonna be a part of it. I didn't think I could be a part of it. Derek told me to do a record for it, and like, and like, he ended up picking the record that got put on it. And um, Derek got you to produce a record for him at and in what studio was this? And, uh, it was a, it was um, it was sequence ten. I think I borrowed a, a, a CZ five thousand from Sherrod Ingram. Okay. Made it, made it on that. Okay. And, um, did that in my house, and then uh, I did it in my house, and I gave him gave him the data I had of it, and he put it on that. And he ended up being a part of the compilation, and, and, and that, that that happened. Was it sample based then? No, no, it was just a C, it was just a Casio CZ five thousand in the nine nine. Samples didn't samples didn't come until didn't come become a part of until uh, I got a job at Chrysler and I could buy a K two thousand. And the uh, after this after this release. Oh, how- oh yeah, okay, but also Kevin Sarnison had an SB twelve. He wasn't using like his sister. His sister was a rapper, and I was making rap, trying to make rap beats too. And I said, I said, let me let me try to figure that SB12 out or whatever. I also bought an instruction manual for it, and he said, okay, okay. He let, he let me and then let, he let me get it. He let me get it to make rap beats for his sister, which I did make, but. They, I never, I never worked with his sister, but I did make some, I did make rap beats with him. I started applying that to what I was doing with everything else. She'll get that. Oh, we'll take a pause. Yeah, take a pause. Okay, my sister. Let's, let, let's wait till that stops, and then I'll have to edit this out. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. It stopped. Okay, now let's come back. Let's back up and repeat what you said while it was ringing. Okay. No, I'm talking about uh, was, was I talking about all the SP12 like with Kevin Sonnison like um, so make some rap beats for his sister which I did make but um, I don't know if he came of those beats but I did make them and um, I did make them and, um, and like I, I had the SP12 so I started making my stuff on the SP12 like and it was real dirty and grainy and when I would try to present my music to them the triumvirate Derek Wine and Kevin, they would say they were too dirty sound, too dirty sound. They would say the beats were too, they just sound too dirty. They wouldn't, they wouldn't put them out on their label or whatever. Okay. But what ended up happening, what ended up happening was like, that dirty sound became popular. Uh, I would say about six months to a year after that situation. So then I started, up starting, I started putting records out myself. Because that's what I wanted to do. Try to figure out how to put out, do a record myself. To be be a part of the situation. Okay. And uh, what record finally broke you through? Sequence 10 on the Virgin compilation through Derek, man. Aha. Which is a record I still hate. Because <laughs> I was doing. But people like it. I've been told. I just say I learned to just say thank you and just move on because I never played it. Mm. I, I never played. It. Although Juan Atkins played it once at that back then because I asked him to play it. He did play it, which surprised me. But uh, you know, 
So let's let's talk a little bit about frictional back, uh, dating back to 1994. Um, why was it conceived, and how important was this label uh, to you? And who was your um, partner in starting the label? Uh, the label was conceived because I, I was around the triumvirate, and I was like. I remember asking Dick when he's gonna put out my record. When my record gonna come out? He's like, um, oh, it's gonna come out. It's gonna come out. I kept saying that. I kept saying that. I kept saying it. But it's like, um, like, um, but it's like, it's like, it's just. I got to a point where it's like I just bump it. I figure I put it out. I'm just gonna put it out myself. And that's what I did. I ended up just. Got the confidence to put it out myself, and I took the money I had to put it out myself, and that's what I did. Was it a lot of work to do that? Was it expensive? Was mm-hmm. it a really a tedious I process? Like, I felt like it, 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 it was it was expensive as, as anything else is. Like I guess we get high, we ain't that expensive because you like to get high and you pay what it costs. <laughs> yeah. So okay, I don't smoke like that. Right. I, I, I like that. And I, I just to make a record so I never bought clothes I didn't have a car I didn't have a girlfriend so there wasn't nothing to make it a record that's what I would put my money on putting the record out oh great um, when did when did Claude Young come into the picture oh Claude Young was Claude Young was kind of in the picture all along early but he he was he used to work on the radio WHYT 96.3 he worked on the radio okay. and um Father, his father was a, was a was a famous was a famous radio DJ. I think his name was the Big Soul Yocker in the seventies and the eighty early eighties um, on WCHB, one of the AM station. Mm-hmm. Um, I always knew about his father because I used to listen to his father on the radio. And I one day he came down to Metroplex. At this time, I was down there hanging out with Marty Bonds. Marty Bonds worked in there and like. I think I kind of, I think I kind of finagled my way in to Metroplex because Marty was there because Ron was out of town. And I started hanging out there because I wanted to figure out how to figure out, I wanted to figure out how to make a record. I wanted to figure out how Ron made his records, and um, and I just, I just, I just kind of hung hung around Marty. Yeah, I hung around with Marty at that time. But um, I still hang with Marty, but um. I hung around with Marty, you know, just tried to be a part of figuring out how to make get a record out. So, um, that's that's kind of what I did at that time. At that time, and what was what were the roles played uh, in in um, creating this label? What, what was your role in oh. the in the label um, oh, management you know, and Claude's? That's early. Yeah, but anyway, Claude was at since Claude was on the radio at that time. I got to, I wanted to meet Claude because I wanted to meet his father too, because I always listened to his father on the radio or whatever. But um, I met Claude or whatever, so like, and we kind of hit it off because we both were record guys, or whatever. And Claude was a cool, cool dude, so like, but anyway, so like, Claude was just doing his thing on the radio, and, and like, I'm outside just trying, trying to still make a record, trying to get a record out. So I'm like, I'm working at the glue factory at this time. I was in, no, no, well, no, I'm sorry. I worked at the cool flat from later. No, I, I worked at the bakery first. Then I eventually worked at, at the glue factory. And I took the money from working at the glue factory and pressed up a record. So, like, I figured out, I went to Archer Records, Archer Records in Detroit, and, um, and figured out how to make it, and figured out I can make, get a record pressed and put it out myself. Because, like, I was waiting around for, I was hoping that 
Dick or Wine. Kevin will put my record out, but it, my records are too dirty sounding. Their, their record sound had pristine quality sounds, and like, well, Wine knew how to record stuff, but it's like, I just I just wanted to make a record, so I sat down to make, I just made a record, and I put it up. And um, the first record I put out, like, Claude made some, made some, made, some rec- made a record, and I made a record. So I said, I'm putting both out. I put them out on Friction, and I started to label Friction. So I do a record, and that's what I did. Now, as far as I'm concerned, Frictional is a really milestone and a very, very well-respected label, and the releases that were on this label was just mind-blowing and became a staple, I say label, in, in every DJ's label pretty much, I think, um, um, and well-talked about. Now you um, re-released a lot of stuff on Rush Hour. How did that release come about? How did that, how did that, um, how were you approached and why did you re-release uh, many of these songs? I mean, I mean, we're talking, we're talking about 15, 20, 30 releases uh, up until this point. Um, and uh, we'll, I mean, I would like to get through those names and we can just kind of say a little something about each one of those records. Okay. And I'll play them in the uh, in the podcast itself later, a little bit later on in the, in the broadcast. I got you on. Yeah, when you get that done, you got to send that to me. But anyway, but nah, it's like um, I I approach I approach Rush Hour. I I looked out. I said I, I figured I got to get a record out overseas. I figured I had to get a record out overseas. And I I called them, calling them up and presenting presenting my I, my my label or my records to them to see if they would put them out. And they which they did do. Um. You were excited. I, you were so excited, I'm weren't you? So excited. It's like I just, I like, I just figured, I figured, um, I figured the best. I, I figured I would have to get, get a, get a situation overseas okay. to get the records out. Because I didn't, I, I, well, I didn't have the confidence to try to approach an American label with it or whatever. And this was at the time when there was mostly, mostly New York and Chicago labels putting our record, and um. I, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't think I would try to approach New York or Chicago. I would. Have, I would have tried to if if I knew any more people in Chicago. I might have tried Chicago, but I definitely would have tried New York. I didn't think. I didn't have the confidence to try to do that. Mm-hmm. And plus, you know, and like, I don't. I don't think. I don't think. I don't think. I think they. They'd have been too dark, raw for for New York or even they, not so much Chicago, but definitely New York. They might have been too raw for New York. In other words, not as polished or as, as put together as what the New York releases were at that time. Mm-hmm. And uh, were, could, would you say that Frictional was like really left field compared to what was happening in that uh, in, the, in the heartbeat of the culture of the Detroit electronic music at that time? Mm. Uh, I just think it's like it's just what I would like to play in my set. I never thought okay. it was... Okay. Never thought it was okay. obscure, abstract, or whatever. It's like I was trying to make a record, trying to figure out how to make make a record, make it work for me in my set. So it's like that, that's what I that's what I would do. Because a lot of your stuff was really quite extraordinary. I mean, I <laughs> I remember trying to I remember a really important gig of mine in Croatia when I was. And I was playing for like six hours or something like this, seven hours. And your records were like maybe six of them, seven of them were were part of my closing. Of, and it was really difficult to to find music to go with those records. I and find that I don't find that 
hard to believe because I've been always told I was always told my records are hard to mix or hard to play. I'm like, well, maybe maybe because you can't mix. That's what I thought because I could mix them. It wasn't no problem for me, but uh, but I've been told they were hard to mix. So I was like, okay, fine. I'll make I'll make you find like with records like that. It's best to start with them or in start a set with them or in a set with them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, what would you say for yourself personally? Can you name off maybe a number of them that really you could honestly say that they were a production that you really, really love and still love them to this day? Yeah, I can say. Even fun or even a great experience making them or anything that's relevant to that question? I would say Electron Rider I like because of how I put it together because it's a Marvin Gaye vocal sample that's okay. in that record. I really like that and like Mike Banks told me he liked that one a lot. And that's when, when I was I was surprised that he told me that. I didn't ask, I, I, I didn't solicit I never solicited opinions from people. I, I just I just put a record out and I'm, I hope you like it. If you like it, don't like it, I'm like, oh that's okay, I'll make another one. You might like that one. That's <laughs> and if you don't that's okay, I'm gonna still make another one. <laughs> Let's see what else is on here. Um, oh, what else is on here? Uh-huh. Mood swing. Tell me about mood swing. Mood swing. That was me trying to make an electro track, but it just didn't work the way I wanted it to because I had a big, big enough bottom on the bass. Because mm-hmm. it, it's like it's a little, little trick in there that that I, that I that I that I, I created Carl Craig from that crib crib from Carl Craig where I bend the note where it get get that hum sound on it. But my the bass because everything was everything was crammed into the the, the K two thousand. It's all crammed together. It's like it's it's not not enough not enough separation. It's like I recorded all straight to the DAT. I didn't have I didn't have I didn't have I didn't have separate tracks where I can separate and like make the bass bigger or louder or whatever. It 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 worked, but it's it's cool for, for what it serves on that record. But it's like. It's not super booming to me, but it's it's not super booming. But I guess, I guess it's getting the effect like it is, but it ain't. How about live for friction? No, no, live for friction. Live for friction. Sorry, live for friction. That's kind of a play on words because it's like <laughs> I can like like it's like I can make it a a, a, a crude joke, a sex joke, but I won't. But it's like you could play it like that. It's like you're living for friction. That kind of friction, life friction. But it's live for friction. Mm-hmm. But that's what it is. That's good. That's what that's what and, we are. That's what we live for, I guess. And what was the magic in this in this release? Well, um, with that one, um, with you, that were, one, you were sa- this was these were sample based releases then at this point. Um, see, um, well, no, live for friction. Uh, live for friction. No, uh, that's that's the K, just K two thousand. With that K two thousand had sample had a big had a big sample on it. It had a big sample on it. Um, that's me trying to do. Not me trying to do kind of electroish kind of thing, but it's like it, it, it works like like it's trying to be electro record. It's like this. I, I put like oh, I will say with Gary Chandler, he's put it best because when I mixed it or did it whatever, and I gave him the record, and it's like he's he's telling me like yeah, yeah, shake it's cool, but it's like I, I can't play it like that. I can't play it like that because like because it was like it didn't sound like a, a regular a average electro record, but what it was was like. The mix was not set up where 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 DJ could cut up cut up a certain way or whatever. It's not open up enough. 
it's not open enough. It's, 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 I think it's, it's mixed like it's made for blending DJ as opposed to a cut DJ. Okay, I see what you're saying. And roaming? What was roaming about? Try and do just do a tune, just do a tune more than anything, or whatever. But I think I think I think some I, I think I think people like it, and maybe they think it fits more of a, a different a different set of thing or whatever. But it's like just me doing a track. It's just me doing a track. It was a jazz it's influence, different. mostly. Uh, um, I guess I guess that's how it's come off. By the way. Okay. <laughs> A lot of your stuff. I say, wow, thanks. I guess, I guess it is. A lot of your stuff is juggling around a little bit of jazzy and disco. Oh no, because that baseline, well, that baseline, that that bass sound. I was trying, trying to make it sound like I was playing the upright bass, but it's like that's I'm not (laughs) positioned. That's that's my attempt. And what about fact of the matter? What fact? Of the matter, a fact of the matter. Oh, that's that. That one's is funny because that one is like the sample I used to make the drum track is um, "I Fear the Night" by Tyree. I cut it up and <laughs> I cut it up, and it's like it's, I just it just played played around with the arrangement on timing on the way where they fit on the measure, and that was just I I, I like that one a lot because I like how I put it together. It's like just, just and the bass line is like it's like it just it just worked. It just worked. Uh-huh. And tell me a little bit about that technique. Well, my, since I was approaching it from um, uh, rap sampling or trying to make rap records, that, with that one, it's like with the with the with the I fear the night. It's just the way that the way they record it. This is real crispy sound, real crispy sounding drums. How they record that that record that 808. How they record it, it's real snappy and crispy. And I just when I when I put it in, in, in the sample, it's like okay, I can I can arrange this this way and make it make it feel flow or feel feel this way, and that's 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 why I approach to the arrangement, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And huh, I love this one. My computer is an optimist. <laughs> that's me being funny. Tell me, tell me the all. life. Tell me the life of this one. Well, that that to me to me when um. When I when I was making it, I liked certain songs and they remind me of Prince's Dance Music Sex Romance, the MSR. Prince song. It's the one dun, 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 dun. But I just had a turnaround. Dun, dun, dun. I didn't have a turnaround part that he had on that record. That's that's influenced by a Prince record, I would say that much. And my computer is not. That's my whole thing my whole thing thinking about how people think everybody think computer's gonna take over the world. I said, mine's not mine's gonna I'm gonna tell you joyous things of make you some money or something that's how i look at it so it's not gonna be the terrible thing like like um like one of those old one of those old um old bridge records was all dark dark science dark and all that stuff not as happy sound and a joyful sound or a dance sound or whatever mm-hmm. simpatico simpatico that was me um that was me and then dan bell liked that one a lot um that one me trying to make a club tune just like i it was like the drums. I like the drums on that one, like the snappy, the snap sound on the snap on it. It was, it was snap on the snare, but then the bass line come in, like, like I like the bass line on that one. That caught that caught Dan Bell by surprise. Everybody, he always said, everybody's surprised about the bass on it, like, it seemed to work. That one, I like the bass line on that one. But I remember you, I remember you busted that at. Uh, here in Munich, I think you played it at um, Digital Analog. Oh, okay. And I asked you for the record. I said, 
I said, where did you get that? Or was it, was it at Root of Sunny? I can't remember. Um, but you had handed me the record. I said, oh, man. Because that bass line, you dropped it right in the middle of everything. Somehow you have a, a way of just dropping stuff at the dime of, <laughs> drop of a dime. <laughs> that's, that's funny you tell me that because, yeah. like, my approach when I'm playing is play a record. I never, I never look like I'm gonna save this for this part or that part. I don't, I don't, I don't think, I don't think I have, I don't think I have a crate like that. I just, I just got a bunch of records I play. I just want, I know I want to play them. I'm playing. Like, okay, I didn't play this one. I want to play this album. Like, whatever. I only got this much time left. I'm gonna hope I get this on before the end of the part. That's how my approach. <laughs> okay, the formula for fake left go right plan. Okay, that that title came from DJ Snake, a guy from Detroit. Like, yeah, Shaggy, we always come with that fake right, go look, fake left, go right plan stuff or whatever. And I, I, I was like, hey man, can I use that as a title? Say, yeah, okay. So we use it as a title. So I like that title. It's a football play, uh, American football. It's American, like that's what you, you set up your play, like your know, fake left, you know, fake left, like but you gonna go right, they they gonna catch your play. You touch on That's the, the, the that's that's where that comes in for me. And what's the magic on that release for you? On the fake left, that's just uh, just the title, just the title, but like the other oh, sample was the sample was on from um, I think it's Dexter Gordon and Dexter Gordon, him in, on that in that movie About Midnight okay. with Herbie Hancock. Oh wow! Okay, <laughs> and like that's that statement he's making, like all these young music, all these young people think they all sound the same. I, I, I like that; it caught my ear when he said it. You know, like because it just be a show that came on BET here that Lou Rawls was the host of it. Lou Ross and Joe Sample were on it, and but I, and I think now the other one, okay, the other, the, I'll get to that in a second. But yeah, um, but that's like um, that's that's that sample, that's that that line that all the young kids sound the same. That came from that came from um that came from I just forgot that quick. Um, that came from um, Dexter Gordon. It came from Dexter Gordon. Right. Dexter Gordon. Dexter Gordon. Okay, so uh, it's kind of cinematic thing. Yeah, you know, I like I like movies and stuff. Okay. Like I, when I when I heard that, I was like, I gotta use that in the record. I gotta use that in the record. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm gonna come for it though. It's simulated. simulated. Assimilated. Assimilated. That's just me. Um, just me playing around the K two thousand. Well, I'm like I'm like, <laughs> and like when I think about it now, it's like that piano's kind of a I, that piano's okay, but that like the little the, the little horn part. Like a horn, it's not like uh, so. I think I think Marty made a joke about either Marty or his brother Brian, his brother Brian. I think they made a joke like every time they play like this, they have to do like a like a mouse is dancing in a Disney movie or something. Like they will make a joke about it, like it's some Broadway tune or something. <laughs> uh, for the for the for the lamented. For the for the lim- lamented for the lamented for the lamented okay for the, for the lamented for the lamented okay that one just was just just me messing around making a track or whatever and, it's, and that's all I can think of it's just like you think about mourning somebody you're thinking about um, uh, a sad time or whatever you just think uh-huh. about oh, oh, old times or something that's just what my thought process was on now your thought process but what was okay the idea did, where did the idea stem from. Not so much. Just and to, I was working on just I I know I was trying to make some records so I had something put out and just just playing around with sounds and that, that's what that was that was was, was, was that was that all was that all so sample based or um is there a sample nah, that you can recall or no 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 samples in that one. no samples in that one. 
because that's that's all for K through thousand. Okay. And okay. Uh, okay. And yeah. now I like psychotic tango. Like what? Psychotic tango. Oh, psychotic tango. Now that's sample. That's sample based. Now that's sample based. That's the good, the bad, and the other Clint Eastwood movie. <laughs> When I think about it, when I watch, because I think I just, just watched that movie, like, I always thought that would work a certain way. I thought like when I when I, I like that movie, and it's like but I like that when I put the samples the guitar part or whatever. I thought it, I thought people would pick up on it, but nobody ever picks up on it. Like, yeah, but it's based off of that good, the bad, the ugly movie. Good, that, the that, bad, the ugly. That don't stop it is a Herbie Hancock sample. Don't stop. That came from a Herbie Hancock. And so I think it's on um his I think the Sunset album I think it's uh, I gotta go look through the record and remember which one now. It's a Herbie Hancock record. Now, uh, get a feeling. What does that get mean? Feeling. What does that release mean to you? That came that that came out on track mode and that's Brett Dancer's label out of New York. That was just I think that was the SB12. Just me making tracks on the SB12. And um, Brett Dancer's label. That one, there's a sound we're like no nah, what it was but that uh, had the old record it's old 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 record that had oh, records from the, the, the 50s and 60s on it the old soul records okay and that was and that was Eddie James record that sample for and that's Eddie James that's, I got a feeling I got a feeling just some 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 got a hold on me that that record but um but it was they didn't have that, that part in that record but that part that little piece is from that beginning of that record. And I just I didn't I didn't I didn't know that at that time, but I know I know it now. But I like Ella James. I like that like that vocal part. Now my thing, I just wanted a, a vocal piece to, to fill up to fill up the song to fill the song out. So that's my, my approach to it. How did you get the inspiration for this particular sample? I was just going through that record. It's, it's a compilation album that came out from a grocery store like in the seventies or whatever. <laughs> okay. And, um, but I, when I heard that, I was like, "Oh, I can use that. That's what I can use that." I didn't know it was at the Jane until I found out it was at the Jane. But then I was like, "Oh, that's at the Jane. That'll work." But it's something's got to hold on me. Whoa, whoa! But I, I didn't know that was the song. But it's like. But I like I like that phrase. I, that phrase I like that phrase. Never, never, never had before. That's all. I like that phrase. I like I just arrange it where where kind of call and response to itself. I got a feeling. I got a feeling. Never, never. Had I just like that. So. Okay. Does. Now, little black robot. What is okay? This is you said a more slower tempo. Okay. Yeah. That was me trying to make a rap track that rappers don't like. Oh. Like but the rappers I knew didn't like, but I liked it. So what? What are the rappers saying? What do you mean by they don't like it? Why wouldn't they like it? They didn't like it because it didn't sound like Snoop or like Tupac or like Dr. Dre. Okay. It, didn't, it, sound, it didn't sound like a, a studio production. Mm-hmm. And you beg to differ. I look at it like as a rapper, you should be able to rap the water coming out of a faucet and okay. make, it, make it sound hot. <laughs> That's my approach. I'm not, I, I can't rap, but I, I look at it like you're a rapper. You you gotta look at it like a sink can sing to anything. You know, and you they prefer something in key or in tone. But but my but my brother, I mean, I know my brother was my the rapper at the time. He didn't like my beats because they didn't sound like Tupac. They just didn't sound like nothing Tupac would rap to. So that's that's just it didn't work out that way. I made one one or two rap records he did rap to. The, the very first rap record he ever did. But outside of that, it's like he knows what he likes to rap to. So it's like he it, it didn't like my beat. So 
I kind of I kind of let it go anyway. At the end, I let it go. Now, what's the magic with perseverance? That's just playing around on the K two thousand. Just playing around, just trying to make, just doing a track, and then just letting it ride, roll out, and just go sticking with it. And what's what's so special about it? Yeah, there's another track I did. That's how I look at it. Man, this so, stuff. Uh, uh, I don't know if for these for these tracks to be just tracks you made, yes, you just want to put something out on a release. Rush Hour really took a liking to this and put it on there. So there must be something special about each and every one of these. So I want to congratulate you on them. I love. I love well, thank you very much but um, yeah. I think I love what you are doing because I found that um, the approach that you use I, I hear like three minutes of them and you know that there's a story in each one of these tracks somehow and you can always piece these together in your set oh, okay I'm glad you said that because yeah. with perseverance with perseverance I think I think at that time I was coming down with an affliction. And my thing is I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna keep doing this no matter what. I'm gonna stick to it and I'm gonna make and make it work. So that's that 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 was on my mind when I was doing some of those tracks, yeah. And some some of those tracks I did have thoughts on my in regards to that. Can you elaborate on the what do you mean by affliction? Oh I have multiple sclerosis. Okay. I found out I had it and um to learn to live with it. That's what I was doing, that's what I keep doing. And I just, just, you know, if I got it bad, somebody got it worse. So I don't complain about it. Just keep it. For those of you that don't know uh, and that has never met or ever even spoken to Shake, he's an, an extraordinary person um, that has um, has an affliction that has never stopped his humor or his personality is, and his uh, outlook on life and with and on a positive tip. And I really, really, really love that about him. And he is very, what I really also like about you, Shake, is that you say what's on your mind. And um, I can really, really, really appreciate and respect that. And uh, those of you that don't know how to take it, F you. <laughs> I'm laughing to be crying most of the days, man. Much respect to you. And I hope that we can hear some really fresh new stuff. And I hope you can get back on track into your studio. And we're really missing your uh, expertise and your sound in in today's modern music. Uh, if I if we dig down deeper, he could he has so much influence, uh, musical influence and background in from rock to soul to jazz to uh, and you can hear that in all of his music. And um, and with that said, I want to thank you again, uh, Shake, for being such an influence on me. Um, it took me a while to understand you, and you know I, I really worked hard to get to get to know you and <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sorry I'm sorry I was all put out and complicating man I didn't know but uh, but, but uh you, I guess <laughs> yeah but you know I got nothing but love and um and it's such a pleasure to have you uh here again and I and I hope that um we can hear some fresh new modern music from you soon yeah I need to get back to work I'm looking to do that I'm trying to get back to work so because I like I like I like my job. I like doing this stuff. Yeah. With that said, with that said, thank you everybody for listening in to the decisive uh, podcast special with my man Anthony Shake Shakur. Anthony Shake Shakur, who we giving shout outs to right now? Marty Bonds. Uh, uh, Marty Bonds. I got to call him back in a minute. Marty Bonds, Tyler Dancer. Yes. Uh, who else? Um, I Ke- say Kevin Kennedy. Bonds. 
Brian Bonds, Brian Boyd, Catch Harrington, uh, Kevin Kennedy, Kevin Kennedy, FBK, FBK. FBK. Say that again. I said FBK, right? FBK, yeah, FBK, yeah, Kevin Kennedy. Yeah, he's he's on fire these days. Yeah, Oh, he's on fire. Kevin Kennedy, he, he's he about to be over there. You about to see him? I think next oh, week. Oh, oh yeah. Jeff Jeff Mills, Kevin, Terrence Parker. The Strand The Strand Group, right? Huh? What was that? The Strand Group. That's I mean, the Strand Group is Brian Boyer, Brian Bonds, and Catch Harrington. And um, yeah, and Catch Harrington, yes, that's the Strand Group. Big ups, big ups to Metroplex. Who else? Yeah, who, else we, who else we shout out to? And Juan Agnes got him here. Thank him, thank him all the time. Thank you, thank you for taking a chance on me, or taking a chance with me. And Kevin Sines for spreading the love and keeping it moving. And then, oh, of course, the Octave One group. The oh, Octave one, yeah. The Octave One brothers. And, uh, Can we not forget? Uh, Lawrence and Lionel and Lenny. Uh, I forgot the other brother's name, but I do know those guys. I owe them a whole lot. A whole lot. Uh, how, about, how about your President Trump? <laughs> That's your president. <laughs> take him over there and take him over <laughs> I ain't got no president at this time. I'm waiting till next year. With that said, everyone, um, thank you again, Shake, for uh, for being here with me. And um, I will be mixing up his uh, releases on Frictionalism for 1994. And that title came from a, as a play on words, and I got it from David Newman. Newman is. As a jazz album that came out in the 70s on Atlantic with title as Frictionalism. Frictionalism, 1994 to 2009, right? Yeah, that's yeah, coming out that way. It wasn't intent, that wasn't the plan, but it ended up coming out that way. Okay, thank you again, bro, and and uh, have a great day. Hey, well, thanks, and make sure and, and send me a copy of this, man, so I can so I can so I can play it for people. Oh man, I'm, I'm gonna take my time on this one, bro. All right. Yeah. <laughs> the crew came out. I, I, I didn't come down in time, but that's okay. Peace. You know, fix it in the mix like they used to say. Yeah. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. See you next time. Roberto Q. Ingram, proud to have some of the best people on my podcast. Don't forget, if you want to hear more about the podcast, go to Podomatic or iTunes. I have a whole archive full of great music from drum and bass, techno, house, including the interviews you can check out the music in its entirety without any interview at all on soundcloud so check that out before you go be sure to check the soundcloud page next week i will be creating a full mix of frictionalism with anthony shaker's tracks all of them as much as i can squeeze in and i will post it on our decisive soundcloud page there you can download it for free this is my respect to this gentleman's works because he is such an inspiration on me and i hope that you also enjoy his works with that said until next time peace out